Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and this week's guest is a content creator you may know from TikTok as Tiny Jewish Girl. Welcome to the show, Clara Perlmutter. Hi, hi. Hello. Oh, hi, hi. We've never had a hi, hi. That's the first hi, hi. Oh my God. It's so like um, I chat middle school for me, but I love it. I've been texting hi, hi a lot. I don't have autocorrect on. That's a big part of it. And I also, I don't think I have auto capitalization on. So I think all of my texts come across like they were texted by a middle schooler, but maybe with better spelling. I am obsessed with capitalizing things and using punctuation, which you did catch on to when you sent a random period the other day. Just a period. Well, you know what's funny is my um, background academically is in creative writing, and I'm very good at pulling that out when I do it. I mean, I took a semester off of school, and I wrote a full-length novel. Obviously, there was full punctuation, grammar, and all of that, but I feel like texting needs to not feel like work to me. Yeah. So I like to have fun with it. And listen, I support people having fun. It's more so I think I want to be like consistent so that if I am like writing an email or doing something, I'm like, I want to make sure that it like still comes across, but I do feel like it can feel very like formal. And if you don't know me or if you've never spoken to me, like it might seem like aggressive or like I'm mad. I think people often think I'm mad because I use punctuation, which is so oh, funny. Oh yeah. Good old K period. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that I would say K period. I'd probably say okay. <laughs> I feel like K period is basically me saying go fuck yourself. But also me and Clara have just been sitting here talking about so many things. And she brought up like kind of being self-motivated. And the way that you explained it to me resonated so much because I'm like, that's how I feel. And it's not often that I come across someone who feels that way. Do you mind explaining it to people? Because I feel like you did a really great job. I said that I'm very internally motivated. Basically, I'm one of four siblings. My older brother is a little bit older, but I have a twin brother and a sister who is 13 months younger. And I feel like I've never been a competitive person. And throughout my life, like I was always a straight A student, but it wasn't because I was like, I need to beat my siblings. I need to be better. It was more like just this internal drive that's like, I need to be the best. It would be embarrassing not to be so good at what you're doing and do a perfect job. You need to be perfect, perfect, perfect. And it's crazy. But at the same time, it's not like I'm, if I'm looking at another person, it's not to be like, I need to beat them. I, I'm really happy for my friends when they're successful. I feel like I look at other people as case studies and like new, um, new types of motivation for myself. Like, if someone blows up on the internet and gains 200,000 followers in a day, I'm going to analyze that and I'm going to see like, what can I do strategically to improve myself? And it's not because I'm competitive and I need to gain 201,000 followers to beat who so-and-so. It's more like I have high standards for myself and my, the only standard that I really um, hold myself to is the best version of me. I, just couldn't have said that better because truly I'm, I'm really not bullshitting you. That's exactly how I feel in that I don't ever look at someone and think, Ooh, I want that. And I don't like that they have it. It's more so like, Oh, that's cool. Like, do I want that? And like, I like that this person has it, but like, let me see if it's something that I am interested in or whatever. Like, it's never like a, I want this. So like, fuck you for having it type of mentality. And I'm like, maybe it does have to do with coming from like a larger family, but also like something that we were talking about is like receiving compliments and like what type of compliments feel more valuable. And I was telling Clara that 
it's always nice when someone obviously says something nice about you or compliments you, but like, I don't internalize it too much or yeah. like give it too much weight, I guess. Cause I feel like saying too much value seems a little rude, but like too much weight, but it's, it's the people that I really care about and respect that like, if they tell me I'm doing a good job, like that's so impactful to me. And I find that to be motivational, but I'm very much also like self-motivated in that I hold myself to this really high standard. And I was telling you, it was like, not in like a self-loathy way. Cause I yeah. feel like it might seem like, Oh, yeah. like you're critical of yourself. You don't like yourself. No, I'm a huge fan of myself. Like I like myself, me but too. yeah, like I feel that from you too. And I'm like, it's not that I'm just like, I, like you said, want to be the best version of me and no one around me can do that other than me. So why am I going to feel some type of way? Well, you know, I think that this mindset does suit itself to content creation because there's obviously um, a whole comment section and you're going to be getting a lot of hate online. And I mean, I don't really um, take into account the hate. Like, I think it's genuinely funny and not in a way where it's like, oh, that's just like so funny. Like, you know, like it's just actually so funny, like in a bitter way. Yeah. I actually genuinely am amused by it. I can be self-deprecating and all of that. But I mean, at the same time, I don't, I think that in order to not be obsessive about the hate comments, you can't be obsessive about all the compliments you get online either. Like that's not healthy either. Um, you, you can't hold anything anyone says about you on the internet with too much weight and you need to be a fulfilled person in real life and yes. with fulfilling relationships and role models and all of that in real life. So like, I kind of want to backtrack slightly as far as like your like content creation career. So I know you started posting TikToks in 2020, but like, were you creating content on other platforms prior to TikTok in 2020? Um, not in any official sense. I loved posting on Instagram just because I love aesthetics. Yeah. And I think like if you go back on my Instagram, there's lots of like artsy little pictures. Uh, it wasn't mostly me taking pictures of my outfits. It was like I went to a museum and I saw a really cool art piece. Now let me post a bunch of really cool close-ups of the art that I saw. Um, and it was like a really good way to capture what was going on in my head aesthetically. Um, and I wasn't doing it for likes. I really didn't get that many likes. Like most people who I knew, and it was all people who I knew in real life who followed me. And most of them didn't care about what I was posting. Um, and then I started posting in the pandemic just again for myself because I was going crazy, um, not wearing outfits all day. Like I was wearing pajamas and sweatpants every day and I missed putting on little outfits. So I started posting on TikTok just to document my outfits and to as an excuse to put on all my favorite clothing. No, that's honestly really cool because I think it was so clear. I was just wanted to ask because I was like, to me, it did come across as you started posting genuinely for fun. And I feel like it, your career took off in a really organic way. Is there like a specific video or something that happened that like kind of contributed i guess to the growth of your channel oh yeah but the funny thing is it wasn't fashion related it was actually the fact that i had armpit hair it was summer wait it was for actually for real yeah no for real like my first videos started blowing up because i'd like lift my arm in a tank top and then they'd get on the wrong side of tiktok and my comments would be so aggressive and then i would make videos responding to the hate comments just in a level-headed measured way you know i wasn't like 
throwing punches I was pulling punches and I'd be respectful and I'd be like yeah it's normal like everyone grows hair or not everybody but a a lot of people grow hair and like most of the people who were commenting were straight men and if you went to their profile they very much had armpit hair that's so absurd and I'm I'm not gonna I'm kind of a little happy that that's not how I found out about you type of thing (laughs) yeah I found I saw you on my for you page like I think you were talking about uh, like some Chloe, Selma McCartney, Chloe pieces. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I'm like, oh, she really like is a collector. And oh, then I was like, collector. oh, like, what is she up to? Like, what is this? And I like watch a bunch of your videos. But like, I did not know that it was because of your armpit hair. And it just goes to show that people on the Internet really want to be mad so fucking bad. And I'm like, oh, I yeah. love to complain, too. We both love complaining. Oh, yeah. But like, I'm not going to like yell at someone. No, I know. Also, like it, the people who were saying about my armpit hair oh she definitely smells bad like they all had armpit hair what's the correlation no i'm like i'm like if you don't know anything about hygiene like yeah. i could drop the tutorial but um take a shower dude i know like, i know like deodorant soap soap literally soap like i that's so also it when i see comments like that that feels so like just idiotic i'm like this is a child oh yeah like is, is well it- some of it some of it i mean i don't really i'm not in the practice of looking at people's profiles if yeah. they leave me a hate comment but like sometimes it like make a response video and i'd be like okay this is an eight-year-old you need to take this down i'm yeah. like oh yeah i'm like this is a literal child i've yeah. now i've now kind of been a little mean to a child and i should probably not do that <laughs> but no i also don't like look at people's profiles if they say shit to me because it just I kind of don't care. I guess I've never really thought about why I don't do it, but I feel like it is because I don't care. And I feel like if I were to look at it, that might make me care more. Honestly, it's, they're never impressive. It's never someone who would make you feel insecure in real life. Like that's the truth. Um, (laughs) It's, or it's accounts where they're faceless because they're not bold enough to leave you a hate comment with their name and personal information attached. Yeah. No, I mean, a hundred percent people with no profile picture and just like random usernames. Those are my top commenters, just like assholes for no reason. I'm like, I sometimes also am like this. I feel like this is someone who knows me and like, just doesn't like me. Not often, but every now and then I'm like, this felt so personal well, it that I'm like, be. yeah, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with people? Well, Tons of people have separate accounts with no name or picture, or personal information to be haters like people have troll accounts like that's a thing and i've discovered that and i feel like that's why i take everything with a grain of salt i i don't know i don't even have a finsta apparently that's weird um i did i did in high school i haven't since early college yeah i'm like i because one of my friends is like well like how do you like look at someone's profile i'm like i just look at it yeah (laughs) yeah I, i guess i'm not up to anything where i'm like i need to be discreet but i'm like it does it's become clear to me that like having a finsta seems to be like very much like the norm like you have your main account and it's not even necessarily for trolling it's for trolling slash creeping yeah but again i just don't care to even creep on anyone and if it's if i want to creep on someone like it's because i want to be their friend or i am their friend you know what i mean so i'm like why do i need to be weird and creepy and stalkery about it oh yeah well, you know what's so funny is when you meet people at events and they're always like, I think you're friends with so-and-so, which is their discreet, like having some chill way of saying I've stalked you on Instagram or like yeah. whatever. Cause they're like, oh, you, you were tagged on so-and-so's story. And so I went to your account and it's like, they're, it's like, they're trying to be cool, but like that's, and for me, I'll be like, oh yeah, I've seen your Instagram. I love you. You can just tell people yeah, that you exactly. like them. Like exactly. you don't need to, but honestly, I, I think it does come from a place of like, I want to seem cool. Yeah, like totally. I, and, and I don't know that it's always like 
sometimes it does feel like they're just doing it to be an asshole. I won't lie. I feel like they don't want to give you that. Like they're like, I don't want to even give you a slight compliment. I'm just going to be like, oh, I think I've seen you somewhere. I don't know. Some vague response. But I do feel like a lot of the times it's like they want to present themselves to you as like, oh, I'm not a fan. Like I'm your, I'm your peer. I'm your peer. But it's like, you could be a fan of someone and also be their peer. Oh, totally. Like they're not mutually exclusive. Like I feel like I'm the biggest fan of a lot of people I know who work in the same field as me. Like I am the person leaving crazy comments, like with a million hard eyes and like slay and like step on my neck. Like I'm, I'm that person and those are my friends. So I'm like, yeah, you should be fans of people. Oh, totally. And it's not like I'm, if you come up to me and you say you like my content, I'm going to immediately write you off. Be like, you're a fan. Like I'm so nice to people. I will be like, what's your name? What's your Instagram? It's like, you don't, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with being generous with a follow. Like I follow 4,500 plus accounts on Instagram, like TikTok. Like I just, you know, if you follow someone, like, I feel like you don't even see their stuff. And I don't think to follow someone on TikTok because I don't even have my DMs open really. So like, I'm not like keeping up with people, but like, I mean, I'll follow people and like that I meet at these events who are super nice to me and I'm like swiping up on their stories and now we're best friends, you know? That's so honestly, that's really cool and really refreshing to hear because I think there are so many people who like are very averse to doing that. And I it doesn't it, make sense. It just doesn't make sense. But also you mentioned earlier that you worked kind of more so behind the scenes in fashion. What were you doing prior to like content creation? Well, so at the same time as I was doing my content creation. So, well, let me back up. Okay, so we're backing up. I blew up the end of my junior year at NYU and I finished out my senior year and I also took a semester off. So I graduated summer of 2021 and I mean, I probably, I, I definitely could have been a full-time content creator at that time, but I didn't know if I wanted to do that. And so I started applying for jobs and I ended up getting a job doing social media marketing for Steve Madden. So I was like doing all sorts of stuff, but I was making their TikToks and, you know, just filling a lot of roles, general marketing type stuff. And I ended up um, getting being really overworked because on top of having a full-time job with like an hour commute on both sides, like, Whoa. you know, 10 hours of my day, I was um, doing content creation full-time. I really like never had any downtime. And it was through doing this for a brand and like doing this for someone who wasn't myself that I realized how f- fulfilling I found making my own content. Um, and so I left after about six months to do my own stuff full time. And I've been full time ever since. And so now that, so how long have you been full time for you? Did you just say that? It was, my, it was no, I don't loss? think I said so it was, <laughs> I think I left on like May 18th of 2022. Okay. So almost a year. Yeah. Or yeah. A, a little under. Yeah. I, so, okay. Now that you're doing it full time, what are, what are your favorite things about it, about like content creation? Like what, like what about it is like, I love this. I want to do this. Well, that's a good question because I think it's really easy for me to dwell on the things that drive me crazy. I have control issues and anything that has to do with uncertainty or lack of control, like that drives me insane. But I really do appreciate the fact that I have such a flexible schedule and I have free time. And sometimes I've um, too much free time and I, like I don't schedule enough into it and I'm kind of giving myself the rope to hang myself with you know what I mean like I'm setting myself up for failure um, but 
I do like that I can go to an event in the middle of the day. I do like that I don't have to commute. I don't, and that I work from home and it can be as independent as I want it to do to be, but it could also be so social and I get to go out and I get to network. And I think that when I go to events, like, I feel like I'm making things happen in real time and it kind of counteracts my control issues because I meet people and I make impressions on people and I feel like you can fast track all the connections that take so long over email. It's so hard to find an email um, when you're sitting at home at your desk, but when you're going up to people and you're introducing yourself and you're saying like, I would love to work with you and then you're getting their email and then you're sending them an email right away and you're sending follow-ups and all of that stuff. Um, like just making an impression. I love that I, that I can do that in my field. No. And it sounds like you just are like a very proactive person, which is a great way to like cope with like kind of that feeling of like anxiety. And I definitely like can relate to what you're saying of like, it, it does feel like when you're at an event, as much as it might just seem like, Oh, I'm at a party. It's like, yes, you are at a party, but also it's kind of, a helpful tool when you work in fashion to be at these events, to talk to people and get to know people, which is another reason why, like, I feel like it's, it's a type of environment where I think actually fostering a real relationship with someone who works for a brand is more possible versus like an email. And I would prefer to have like a rapport with someone if I'm working with them, it just, you know, seeing them face to face, kind of like being able to like, connect with them in person and then work together. I feel like those are always the jobs that I enjoy the most. And so it feels more rewarding to do it, you know? Yeah. Also, I think that if you show someone my TikTok, um, like maybe you'll like me and maybe you'll get a little bit of a sense of who I am. But I've always said that, like, if you sit next to me at a dinner party, then you're going to get a sense of who I am. Like, you're going to understand I'm high functioning, hardworking and like, I'm smart and I intellectualize everything I'm doing. And I don't think that you necessarily see that the behind the scenes stuff on my social media. Um, you maybe just get a sense of my aesthetic and some facets of my personality, but I feel I'm pretty intentional about what I post and I like to keep a lot of myself for myself. So like until I'm in a room with someone, I don't think that they're necessarily going to understand all of my value, like why they should be working with me, why it would be good to have a continued partnership and relationship with me, whatever. Yeah. And so I like being able to um, like, put my best foot forward when I meet someone. And then like, as far as like, you know, going to these event events and socializing and meeting new people, like, is that something that you're like, Oh, I love this. Or is it like something that you kind of have to work through? Oh, I love it. I'm really extroverted. I mean, you see me at these events. It's true. Um, I feel like I overcame a lot of my social anxiety and I also am like prescribed anxiety medication. So if I was really nervous for an event, I could just take my anxiety medication before an event. You know what I mean? Like a good solution. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, social anxiety is real and it's valid. And I mean, it was a lot of what I struggled with in terms of anxiety in Mm -hmm. high school. So, um, you know, I feel like I'm also, when I go to these events, I'm in work mode. I shut off my ego. I'm not really in the business of like, taking things super personally when I'm there. Like I kind of, there, there are exceptions. Like I've been, um, so severely mistreated and disrespected where I'm like, I'm going to remember that. But oh, like, no, wait, oh, what happened? Oh my God. Like, you know, like the, sometimes, sometimes there'll be like, um, 
a PR person who will like send you on a wild goose chase and then will go out of their way to make you feel small and like like shit. And yeah. it's just like, yeah. you know, I'm going to remember I'm going to remember who treated me like that. Yeah. But um, the same time, it's like I I feel like because last fashion week was like when I was I had experienced the death of a friend and I had to I paid obligations I had all this stuff and I couldn't really stop what I was doing. I learned to compartmentalize my feelings when I'm doing these work-related things because, like, when I go to an event, I should be able to just shut it off and, like, be the best worker bee that I can be. Yeah. And I think that's, like, what you're describing is very much so, like, just professionalism. And I think it can feel really informal a lot of times in these environments because there are people who are, like, friends and like it just it's really hard to kind of find that balance between the two yeah well so you know we we have talked about how I just left my agency and Mm -hmm. I've been representing myself and honestly you really factored into my decision to represent myself you and Fifney like the advice you gave me really helped and I've been enjoying that I kind of on some level do wonder if I'm too serious like do I take myself so seriously like I go to these events and I'm a business person I should just be having fun and I'm kind of wondering how much it factors into my content because I've been really focused on the business end of things like I haven't been putting as much energy in my content because I've been I've just things going on outside of my content that are still related to business um like and I need to focus on that. Like I need to be on top of my emails and I don't feel like I've been having as much fun with the filming, but I've been good at getting brand deals or whatever. And I wonder if I'm going to like look back and regret being like so young and like taking myself like so seriously. I think it really ebbs and flows. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's kind of something to keep in mind is there are going to be points where like you're creating content, not like you're not enjoying it, but you're kind of just like, I have to do this type of thing. Not in like a, I don't know how to even like articulate that feeling of like, I need to post something, but it's not just because I'm like, oh my God, I really want to do this. Like, oh, I I should do this. But then yeah, your creativity, your personality, everything is still in it, but it's just a different process. Yeah. But it's, I don't know. I feel like it's so hard to consistently make content and not kind of feel that way sometimes where your mind is maybe preoccupied with other parts of your job or your life or something just completely separate from all of that. But I think it's, it's really normal in any job to feel that way. Oh, totally. And I feel like right now where I'm at just mentally everything is like, I'm posting so I don't fall out of the routine. Not, not for the joy of it. Yeah. Um, and I guess that shows through and I feel like because TikTok is so personality based, I feel like if there's like less light behind my eyes, even like people just kind of tune out and like, if your watch time is lower, then your videos aren't going to do as well. And then that feeds into the whole cycle of like, oh my God, I don't enjoy this because you don't get the little bits of like validation of something going viral. Um, and it's a vicious cycle, but, um, I don't know. I'm working on it. I'm working on getting myself a therapist. And so then I'm going to be a fully, well-rounded individual in every aspect of my life again. I'm going to be perfect. So (laughs) just like keep an eye out for when you see me, you'll just feel perfection emanating (laughs) from your phone. Yeah. And honestly, something I'm aware of about myself is like when I was a student, I was a student my whole life. And like the structure of that allowed me to always like feel like I got everything finished. There was always a deadline, whatever. 
But like now that things are more open-ended, besides brand deals where I get a clear deadline, I feel like I'm not good at um, sticking to things. Where like before when I was writing, um, there was a deadline. And even when I took a semester off and I wrote my book, I knew I had like three months to write it and I needed to finish it in that time span. And it's been really hard to hold myself accountable for finishing a piece of writing. And I keep on sitting down and like telling myself, I'm going to finish this. I'm going to finish this. And then like getting sidetracked and not making the time to do it. And like I was feeling unfulfilled in terms of hobbies. So I started um, learning guitar again. And um, even with that, like it was hard to be consistent. It's hard to hold myself accountable. Um, But I think content creation is the thing that I do do every single day. Even if I don't post every day, I'm going to make something every single day. And I don't want to lose that because I know how easy it is to get off track. It's so easy. And then if you're like me, which I think we clarified, we both hold ourselves to a very high standard. Then you're just like so annoyed at yourself because you're like, why did I put myself in this position? I could have mitigated this. And like now I am finding it so hard to get back into it. And then you're just like kind of internally yelling at yourself in a loving way, in an affectionate, you know, abusive way to oneself. Oh yeah. Like, uh, my mom was never standing over me being like, do your homework and do it early and do it well. Like I was like in first grade being like, well, I got my homework might be due in two weeks, but I got it today. So I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do all of it and I'm going to get perfect grades, you know? And that's been my, I mean, I graduated college with a 3.98 GPA. Fuck yeah. Honestly, good job. That's not an easy thing to do. So I'm, I mean, I definitely don't remember my GPAs, but it was not that. (laughs) Well, I got throughout college only two A minuses. That's honestly really impressive. Are your parents like, were they like concerned with like your academic achievements like was that something that they were like prioritizing or found to be like you know I mean both of my parents are Ivy League educated um and so I probably come from an environment where like both of them had to work hard to get into Ivy League schools and they had good work ethic and whatever my mom is definitely like a Hermione Granger type like very like girl raising her hand in class always first and I'm I had a streak of that too I will admit (laughs) um but I don't feel like they were ever putting pressure on me also, but I don't know if they would have, like I was getting things done before anyone told me I needed to get them done. And then I was achieving without anyone having to tell me, I don't know if I would have been failing all of my classes if somebody would have been on my ass. Yeah. And it's, is that kind of the dynamic that your parents had with like all of your siblings where they just kind of were like, Hey, I'm not going to put pressure on you and like, let you do your thing. I don't know. Honestly, I should check in with them. So my (laughs) older brother was dyslexic and my younger sister is dyslexic. Um, Maybe there was some pressure on my older brother, but me and my twin both kind of were on top of it. And then my twin had um, post-concussive issues and like I, he needed a lot of accommodations in school. And so I don't think anyone would have been on top of him. And then my younger sister also had ADD, but she had help for um, the dyslexia and she got medicated for the ADD. And like, I think she was actually felt competitive with us. She always has. And so, you know, what she did is she uh, got into Brown and studied <laughs> chemistry and now she's getting her PhD in chemistry. So like that was I, maybe she was, instead of looking towards herself, she was looking towards me and my twin brother and like, oh, I need to beat them a little bit. So she had to um, flex on everyone. Yeah, really. but yeah. it wasn't coming from my parents. Yeah. 
That's really interesting because both of my parents are like very academic and like hard workers and like I'm the youngest, I'm number six. And I feel like it's so interesting because like some of my siblings are like never got anything less than an A minus, like just amazing GPA, love school. I was just always like, oh my fucking God, like, is this over yet? Like, how can I be done with this? And like, I don't know that my mom was like putting pressure on me, but she would do things that I feel like a parent who like really cares about school does like no matter how well I was doing in a class, I had a tutor. Like yeah. I had a schedule of like, I would come home from school and like, I had like an hour to chill. And then it was like, you need to start working on your homework. And then your tutors are going to be here. Like she was very much so like, this is the most important thing. She's like also like an educator. She loves degrees. Like she's, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's that type. She's, yeah, I know. She sounds like yeah. her mom. Like, yeah. Like raises her hand. Like she's a nerd. Um, yeah, me too. We, we love her. We love her. She's a cute nerd, but I feel like, yeah, it was also interesting observing the way I reacted versus like my sister. Cause she was like, loved school, loved studying, loved getting like straight A's. And it felt like it made my mom put more pressure on her mm. actually. Like she was putting like a little, but it was not comparable in the sense that like, she was like, if I had one tutor coming a day, my sister had like five. Yeah. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? She yeah. was like, oh, well you like this shit. So like, let's go. Like yeah, this yeah, is going to yeah. be like extreme tutoring now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, so I felt very independent and I took care of my problems for most of my life. And then when I was 15, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and I kind of had like a little mental breakdown. Yeah. And I think it was the first time in my life that my parents had to be like, oh no, we need to be concerned about Clara. But they really snapped into nurturing mode and I don't think I would have gotten through it so unscathed um, without the love and support of my parents. So like... um. In many ways, I like to take care of myself, but this was like the year of my life where that was not possible and I needed so much nurturing. And um, I think like they were really understanding about me dropping to less intensive courses in school and all of that. And even my mom helped get me accommodations. So I was, I think, registered as, I don't know exactly how it worked, but as having an emotional disability. So um I could like take time off of school if I needed to and I would get extensions on my work and stuff like that because That's really like, nice of her to like yeah. yeah I mean it required hiring a lawyer and all of this stuff but because my twin brother with post-concussive issues had um like done something similar not the exact same but gotten accommodations my mom knew how to do and she went really hard for me and like I think like she was willing to accept that I was not going to be like on the Ivy league track and all of that stuff. Like they, my parents adjusted really, really fast and they just like took care of me. And I know that like, cause I, I watch your content. So like, I know that you mentioned like, Oh, I have bipolar disorder, but is that something that like you have ever gone in depth about online? I'm like, it might, maybe I didn't see it, but like, is it something that you feel like is important to like, kind of like speak about and like talk about your experience or is that not something that you like sharing? Well, here's the thing is like, I think when I talk about it, because I've been mentally stable since 2015 and I was diagnosed in 2014, it's almost like I'm a little bit out of touch because I haven't struggled with it in so long. And it feels like I was like a child when I was dealing with it. And now I'm an adult with all these coping skills and all of that. Um, So I've talked about it, but I almost don't feel like my advice would be all that valuable because like for me, it was like medication and therapy and taking care of myself, like listening to my body. Like I didn't drink, I didn't do drugs, like none of that. Um, and holding myself again to a really high standard for having, having to, um, be mature and 
not give into my impulses and all of that in a way that most young people aren't doing. Um, like most people don't have to, um, don't have to worry about like having full blown mental breakdowns. Um, and it sounds like you really like kind of strengthened just your general self-discipline at such a young age. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Yeah. And I'm sure also some of it is nature. Like I'm sure I still had some of that in me. And so I just needed to realize that I needed to snap into that mode and kind of like take care of myself and listen to myself and all of that. But I mean, it, it hasn't really been a lifelong struggle for me because I'm really well medicated and I'm good at taking care of myself like that. No. And that's honestly amazing. And I feel like even you just saying that, like, maybe it's not like you, like, like you said, you're like, I've been medicated for so long. You have it under control. So it does feel like kind of distant, but at the same time, I feel like that is something that like someone might hear and feel like hopeful, you know what I mean? And like, and, and also feel like I can feel like in control, you know what I mean? Or I can feel like, okay. And I could feel like, I'm managing things. And I feel like that's also like really valuable, you know? Yeah. Well, when I first started going to therapy for bipolar disorder, I remember my therapist telling me like, there's going to be a point where you're going to have the thoughts in your head, the bipolar thoughts or whatever. And you're going to be able to like hear them and realize that they're not attached to reality Mm -hmm. and ignore them and push them to the side. Like she was like, oh, I've had schizophrenic patients who are saying like, I'm seeing something right next to you, but you know, just ignore if I'm looking over there. Like I know that's not real and just keep having the conversation. And um, I kind of didn't believe that that was possible when at the time when she told me that. But I mean, it's been like that for years where basically like I'll have depressive thoughts like the negative self-talk whatever I'll have manic impulses but I don't act on any of it and I know that it's not reality it's just like kind of a lens um but you can I did dbt and like I I know how to notice my thoughts without them feeling like like the world is crashing down on me and like everything is real and everything is bad and everything you're just putting things into perspective and like also like I think it sounds like you really do have like healthy coping skills, even like, just like with your thoughts, because it's always so helpful to just remember, like, whatever I'm experiencing now is temporary type of thing. And like reminding yourself of like, this isn't going to like, I can either allow this to consume me or I could just kind of like disregard it and just focus on what I can actually do. And I find that that's really helpful. And just in, so many different ways like obviously like every situation is going to be unique but something that type of coping of just kind of self-soothing and self-talk is so effective totally and I mean I'm good at distracting myself too like I love to read I'm I'm not great at guitar I grew up playing piano and I'm sad that I don't have one that fits in my apartment but when I'm at my parents house like I'll play piano like I'll, I'll watch a movie I'll write like I'll do things that I feel like are creative outlets for me. And I mean, even just getting dressed is a creative outlet for me. Like, I think that like, I have a lot going on mentally, I have a lot going on internally and finding ways to externalize it that are healthy. Like, I guess that's the biggest piece of advice that I have. No, and it, it, having kind of interests and then like kind of leaning on them in a way in a time where like, if you were to just kind of sit down and like skulk around, like, 
you're probably not going to feel that much better. I mean, I do think that there's something to be said about a little bit of moping, yeah. just like some light, <laughs> yeah. just like some light. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. 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 It's cut. Sometimes you need to do that, but like, you know, at some point you kind of need to take yourself out of it and kind of help yourself because I, I, feel like I just said this to my niece the other day. I, she's an adult. She's 27. I feel like I always want to clarify when I say my niece, I'm like, not any of the baby ones. She's yeah. an adult woman. She's a mother, but you really, no one can control how you feel or what yeah. you do. Yeah. Only you can do that. So like kind of take advantage of it in a way, like yeah. you can't turn a switch and feel better, but like, you know, the things that you enjoy doing that will make you probably feel at least a little better. You know what I mean? Like maybe not a hundred percent better, but like there are things that you enjoy enough or that feel good to you that if you were to do them would assist in you not feeling super emo right now. Oh, totally. But also, I mean, for me, I always felt so bad, like powerless when it came to other people. Like I feel like I would let other people's problems make me feel stressed and bad and whatever. But um, my boyfriend is the king of setting boundaries. And I feel like I've learned so much from him. Like, I feel like my problems are the only ones that affect me at this point because I'm amazing at setting boundaries when I need it. And that was, I feel like being um, from a Jewish family, like everyone's in everybody's business. Everyone's so close knit. And I grew up in like a small town that was predominantly Jewish. And I've known everyone since preschool and like everyone just knows everything about everyone. And that felt normal to me. And I feel like my boyfriend is someone who, um, in a self-protective way holds other people at arm's length. And I mean, I think there's balance. Like what I grew up in definitely wasn't healthy or normal. And like, I think in some ways, like, like you can push people away when you're not being open with them or when you're being avoidant of them and whatever. But I feel like I've started to learn how to, um, not like, uh, not take on more than what I can. Absolutely. No, I mean, I, I'm the youngest, but I will say like, I'm the person who everyone in my family calls when they're upset. Like it's, it's me. Um, and I love my family so much. Like we're, really, really close. Like we enjoy each other's company. Like I love talking to them. Like if there is only one person I could talk to, it's probably one of my sisters. I won't mention who, Um, but like (laughs) they can guess there have been times where like, if my sister is on the phone with me and she's really upset about something, I'll, I'll be like, Hey, like, is there something I can do to help? Is there a solution? Like obviously cry, yell, do what you need to do. Once it seems like maybe you're winding down, like, okay, like, is there something that can be done? And if she says no, there's been a few times where like, I'm like, Hey, listen, like, I love you so much. I'm so sorry you feel that way. But like listening to this right now is actually too much for me to, cause I feel like I can't help you and I don't know what to do. And it just yeah. feels like a lot right now. And I have things that I need to do. And I just know myself well enough to know that if I were to sit there and just continuously listen to her, be super upset about something, first of all, like that makes me sad, but then also like it gives me anxiety to not feel like I can help her. So I'm like, I'm going to feel like shit after like, once I get off the phone, she might just resume her life and be totally fine. And I'll just be like, so sad about it. And I find that I get more sad about my siblings and their frustrations and even my own at times. So I'm like, and I'm someone that I think does have like healthy boundaries, but I find that it's harder with fam. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. With family, it's obviously harder, but like, I'm definitely finding ways to communicate that because also like, I think when it comes to communication with people that you're close with, 
we sometimes forget that people grow and change. And so do you and like everyone is always kind of evolving a little bit. So for a period of time, I almost felt like I don't know how to communicate to my sister anymore because we both changed a little bit, but it's like, I feel like it's about taking the time to hear someone out, hear what they're saying, how they're saying it to you. And like, what would actually be effective or productive for you to say to them type of thing. And I feel like it's like, it's always just constant, like learning process of setting boundaries. I think more like specifically with someone you're very close with, it's very hard. Oh yeah. But also, you know, think about from your end, like there's times when you'll call someone because you want to vent and they jump straight to giving advice and you're like, whoa, I didn't want your input at all. Like I don't tell me what to do with my life. Yeah. And I feel like if you think about it from that angle. And so I try to definitely like you, like ask people, what do you need from this? Like, okay, we're having this conversation, but what do you need out of this? Because if you're not asking for my advice, then I need to know because I'm, I don't want to give my input and like fuck you up in some way. But also, you know what? So I feel like I'm so extroverted because I, I like knowing about people. Like I'm, I'm really driven by learning about people. And I feel like that's how I build um, these meaningful relationships. I have a good memory and I like retain information about she collect, people. We collect data. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but I think information can be damaging. And when you have a good memory, there's some things that you can't unlearn and you're going to think about them for the rest of forever. Have you ever seen um, the fourth Indiana Jones movie? It's pretty bad. Remind me. Like, it's wh- Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls. It's like with those big, long-headed uh, I've never crystal. Seen, okay. I've never seen that Okay. One. Well, it's not good, but basically like spoiler alert um oh no (laughs) the ending there's this woman and like it turns out that these skulls are so big because they have all the secrets of the universe and this woman's like i want to learn everything and then she like touches the skull or whatever it is and she absorbs all of the information in the universe and it just like kills her like she immediately explodes and i feel like i used to be like oh i want to know everything like i want to be that lady who like it doesn't even matter. It's worth it to me. I want to know everything. So and then funny. she just explodes. And I feel like with maturity, I'm like, okay, like I got to be more cautious about the questions I ask because there's some things you just can't unlearn. Yes. Unfortunately, I uh, feel like I absorb information in a way where sometimes if I feel like it's not useful, I will not to be not in an asshole way, but like I'll find a way to remove myself because oh, like, yeah. I actually don't care about this. Not in the way that I'm trying to like make you feel like it's not important, but like, I just don't care. So I'm just going to like remove myself because I don't want this useless information in my head. Oh yeah. I'm like, it's so crazy. Cause I'm like, I'm saying that I'm like, is that a dick thing to say? It might be, but no, it's boundaries. Yeah. It's like, boundaries. I'm just like, you know, honestly, I'm like, I care about the things I care about. I'm very passionate about the things I'm passionate about. And I'm, I don't know how to pretend to be passionate. Like it feels disingenuous to, indulge someone unless I'm genuinely like, okay, this person really wants to talk to me specifically about it. Like that matters. But like, if someone is talking about like, I don't know, like a reality TV show and I don't care, like I just will tune out. I like my friends at this point, know like Nora's on her phone. She's going to just remove herself. We can let her know when we're done. Like it doesn't bother me. I'm not offended, but I'm just like, I just don't care. Oh yeah, there's like the things that my boyfriend will tell will tell me where I'm like, you can only talk to me about this if I'm like scrolling on Poshmark because <laughs> so just like, oh like, my god, like that's what, so funny. What you what you listened to on that podcast last week and the the facts that you want to recite to me, like you're welcome to recite them, mm-hmm. but I do not share the interest. And I'm gonna be on Poshmark and we're not gonna be making eye contact. It's communication is so helpful. You know, setting expectations like, oh, hey, yeah. I'll listen to you, but I also will be placing bids online. Yeah, and yeah. 
And I, I always do a deep dive before anyone comes on the show. And I was like reading an article or like an interview that you did where you talk about like lowballing people, oh, yeah. which is one of my fucking favorite things oh, to yeah. do. Not, it's not in like, it's not that I don't like respect this person and that's why I'm lowballing them. I just love a deal so much. Me too. And if they're willing to give it to me at that price, who's losing here? I feel like we're all winning. They're making a sale and I'm getting something at a steal and we can all walk away from this feeling really good about ourselves. Well, you know, I feel like there's influencers who love fashion. Then there's influencers who love like shopping. And Mm -hmm. then there's influencers who love like consumerism. And I Mm -hmm. feel like those are kind of three different things. And like people have bits and pieces, but I feel like someone who loves consumerism does not care about a deal. But like someone who loves shopping is like exhilarated by like the collecting and the research and like the like, like, okay, like I, I just bought a pair of heels where like, Oh my god! There's these stout heels. I hope I'm saying that right. And I know which ones you're talking about. I yeah, I'm in a video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So like, there are these heels, and they were on sale on Saks, and they were like maybe like two hundred sixty dollars, and everywhere else on the internet they were still three hundred fifty dollars. And I like waited on it. I just had a sense I should wait on it. I shouldn't be decisive. I waited two days, and the price dropped by sixty dollars. I got them for like. You know, Isn't like it was just really the good most feel. like you feel vindicated. You're like waiting. Yeah. I knew intuitively, like somewhere deep down in my bones that this was not the right moment. And oh, yeah. now is the moment to strike. Well, also, if I waited any longer, like maybe the price would go down, but they might not have them in my size. Exactly. And like that's the, that would haunt me. That's the thing is also the loving shopping thing is like you remember the things you miss every single purchase I haven't completed because I'll do this thing sometimes where I'll put something in my car and then I get distracted. I don't know. My mom calls me. My dad calls me. I fall asleep, you know, just normal things. And then I don't buy it. And then I think about it forever and it does haunt me. And I'll never stop looking for those things. Oh yeah. That's the thing I will say. I have a, a notes Oh, yeah, like a yeah, list yeah, yeah. of my notes. And then I also have screenshots. Oh, yeah. So I could Google yeah. and search them, but then I can also search on my keywords. And then I have like different like combinations of words because not every, you know, person is going to list it in the same way. Some people sell things online. They don't even know what it is. So like you have to, when you're really looking for something that is truly haunting you, you need to kind of have a lot of plans in motion. And oh, yeah. I'm just a lunatic. And I will say Mark Jacobs is doing like a heaven drop on yeah. the third. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they're going to restock the Margaret boots. Oh, and I'm not going to lie. Genuinely, truly. I am enlisting multiple people I know to try to help oh, me yeah, yeah, yeah. get them. It's a community thing. Like loving shopping. Like I get my friends in on it and I tell them I don't gatekeep. I'm like, this yes, is exactly yes, what I want. This yes, is my size. Yes, if you see it, yes. tell me. No, I'm literally just like, do you understand how long I've been looking for these shoes? And yeah, all of my friends are like, yeah, Nora, you talk about it like once a month, you fucking weirdo. But like, I genuinely, to get something like that feels like an achievement. Not the same as another, there is different levels of achievement, right? But that to me, as someone who loves fashion, feels so special. And I feel like it makes me just like cherish my pieces more. And I guess like my approach to shopping isn't just like, how many things can I get? It's more like, how many things can I get that I really fucking love and will always, always love? Yeah. Like that's really what makes me so happy. And I don't care if I'm wearing the same shit like all the time. Oh, yeah. I love that thing. And so I want to wear it. And it's also kind of the thing where I might not wear something for a long time, but it doesn't mean I don't still oh, yeah. love it. But sometimes you got to like protect it. Cause like if I wear something every day, it's going to fall apart yeah, and I want to have something for 20 years. So I pace myself. Yes. Okay, this is such, I feel like 
We think similarly. We really do because, okay, so I have these boots. They're actually H&M Studio, which is so crazy how much I love them. But also H&M Studio does make really nice shit sometimes. And I have to stop myself from wearing them because if I could, I would wear them every day. They look like Daria boots. I don't know how else to explain them. They just look like Daria boots. And like, I love them. I love wearing them. They look good with everything, but... I just can't wear them every day. They will fall apart and then I'll be really upset. And I've seen them sell in Vestier for $600 and that's also absurd because they definitely did not retail for even, I think, half of that. Oh, totally. I mean, also like I will, I'm crazy in the way that like if I have something and I really like it, I will look for a second one of it so I could wear the first one a lot and then like be, you know, sparing with the second one or like I'll buy something. If I find something that fits me perfectly or whatever, I'll buy it in other colors. And so like, I have options and I won't wear it as much because again, I want my clothing. I mean, I have my mom's pieces. I have my grandma's pieces from like decades and decades ago. That's so cool. Yeah. And it's because they respected their clothing. Oh my God. Today during filming, I found a moth hole in a skirt, a blue marine skirt. And I sound like, I'm like, I watch all of your videos. (laughs) I did see that. And I was upset. There was two. There's two. Yeah. And my, my, um, Chloe, like Stella McCartney era Chloe pineapple shirt. I wore it under a suit recently and I didn't think I was going to like sweat or anything because it was freezing cold outside and I didn't even wear a jacket. It was just a suit. But like, I don't know, maybe I need to switch up my deodorant or something because horrible sweat stains, especially in one armpit. The one I showed was like way worse. It was so bad. And I was like, oh my God, because I'm someone who likes to keep everything museum quality, like keep it perfect. And I'm so careful. So that was, it it was a rough day in that sense. I will say I have some tips for you. I love uh, problem solving. It's one of my favorite things. And I will say it's from your antiperspirant. Okay. It's, well, it's my deodorant is like really natural with no antiperspirant. There is no antiperspirant? No. That is weird. Was it vintage? Yes. So like me, it's already kind of like in the fabric. Someone probably wore it who wore an antiperspirant. Oh. It's something about like it, the way it combines, but also white vinegar. What is it called? White distilled vinegar can help oh. remove it. Like there's like a few different things you could do to remove those. Sometimes it won't completely, but it can at least like yeah, lighten yeah. it somewhat. Yeah. So it's like less obvious, but yeah, no, I feel like things like that make me so fucking irrationally upset. And I'm just like, I really like caring for the things that I buy just in general, like, but also clothes, especially if it's like a vintage piece. Like to me, I'm like, I need to make sure this is taken care of. And when something like that, especially the moths like that, cause like, what are they doing there? And how yeah. like get out of here? Yeah. Like, but like, also do you use like anything to like deter moths? Cause I feel like I don't. Well, know. I had a little infestation and I didn't realize that my boyfriend, and I just saw like one or two moths in our apartment. And then like, that was months ago and now it's winter. So we're taking out all of our wool clothing and we're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, so we got the cedar rings okay. to put on the yeah. hangers, but like the damage has been done. Ugh, there's no more active moths, but we're really mad at ourselves. I feel like I need to find someone, a tailor or someone to do something to like the really incredible pieces from my boyfriend's like grandfather that have been destroyed. I don't know. My mom gave me this amazing suit that she would wear in like the early nineties to work as an architect. And, and there are moth holes, like huge ones in the butt, not the butt and like huge. They couldn't, I mean, if they were darned, it would look really obvious and they couldn't be mended by being sewed and they couldn't really be patched. And I think that these pants might just be ruined. And I'm really sad about it because like this was my great little power suit and I felt like my mom and I like feeling like my mom. I wonder if you can like deconstruct it in some way. Like, do you know what I mean? Like kind of like 
Yeah. Because if it's, like, in the butt, I'm, like, trying to think of, like, what could you, like, do with it? Like, well, I feel like there, you could, like, chop it up a little bit. Well, and you know the problem is it's a cropped jacket. It's a cropped suit jacket. So you the butt, like, it's really fitted. Super and that's it's the part of it that, like, matters the most. Like, the butt and the high-waisted, perfectly fitted pants. I'm like, what if you put, like, leather on the butt? Oh, my God. Like, just leather on the oh butt. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I love that. A little patchwork situation. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like... I, first of all, definitely, no matter how many articles of clothing I own, if something has a hole in it, I might just keep wearing it. And by my, I mean, I definitely, if I love something and I don't know how to actually like remedy it, I'll just keep wearing it and like not care. And I'm like, I, I just love this. And I'm just going to oh, keep yeah. wearing it. Well, this is so bad that like it was like R-rated or like X-rated. Like I started filming a TikTok and then oh, I no, turned around. Butt, yeah. I will say, no, yeah. No, I no, turned no, around no. and I was like, oop, and I had to stop Oh, no, no, the that's video. obviously, you know, within, when I say like, if it's yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, no. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Too, I too, like a little moth hole in a cashmere yeah. sweater. I'm like, whatever. A little pilling. I'm like, it's, it's fine. Like oh, yeah. it's to be expected. I don't yeah. know. I just feel like I do care, but I'm not, like I care about taking maintaining something but i'm not that precious i guess oh, is yeah. what i'm trying to say like oh yeah i want to wear i just want to wear things oh yeah well also i'm like a big secondhand shopper so like a lot of the time something comes and it's not in great condition and i'm not gonna be like oh this is so embarrassing i can't wear this out of the house like i don't take myself that seriously it's so crazy to me when people are like oh like i love buying like secondhand and then they're like this seller sent me this it looks like shit I'm like it's literally from like the 1950s like what did you think was gonna happen yeah like, yeah also like I mean, most of the time you should like be messaging the seller to ask questions. Right. Like, like take that upon yourself because like I love, um, collecting Stella McCartney era Chloe denim. And like the thing is you should be checking the measurements or if they don't have them listed asking for measurements because with a hundred percent cotton denim, if someone put it in the wash and they put it through the dryer, the number of pairs of pants that I have ordered that showed up teeny tiny shrinking shrunken not true to size like it was my fault for not checking on that no i my standard go-to is like are there any signs of wear or damage are there and then i'm like even more thorough i'm like are there any holes are there any rips is there discoloration like i if it's a bag and has zipper does a zipper fully function like because those are the things where like unless it's like an obvious piece of damage they might not tell you yeah i feel like especially with vintage bags like if the zipper is like not amazing good yeah, yeah, yeah. they're not gonna be like oh the zipper is kind of annoying like they'll just be like perfect condition or like excellent or whatever but like i will ask those questions and also like it doesn't like even deter me i just like to know what i'm what to expect yeah, yeah, yeah. but like what do you feel like is what are your kind of like priorities or things that you look for when you're shopping secondhand you know um it's not size because i will buy something knowing it's not my size because i like the collecting element and i want to have it if it's a piece that I don't have and I like to style my friends and I like to let my friends borrow things or put it on my boyfriend or whatever like I'm buying things in a whole range of sizes so it's not that but honestly like some when I'm buying something secondhand I want it to be something that like has history like I don't normally I think I normally regret buying something just random and stupid like I like buying something where like I know about the collection I like I'm kind of into that element like minutia mm -hmm. um and like so i like to build out a collection in some way and like honestly sometimes my collections are stupid like trump loy ties like i have a bunch of things with trump loy ties on them and um i like i like understanding like the history of like the design not necessarily 
of the brand because sometimes the brand you just like can't find the history but i like of that type of style like when is it from all of that type of stuff um like i i when i'm shopping it's actually something that's incredibly intellectually fulfilling for me so like i want to be um i want to find i want to find something and buy something that i feel like adds to what i don't already own or if i'm or in a in a similar thing like when i talked about how i will buy duplicates of something like it's either something i don't own or something exactly the same as something i already own that i want to be like a uniform you know yeah like i feel like that's such an interesting way to phrase it though like intellectually shopping like i'm like that i kind of get that but also i feel like that is just such a nice thing to hear i think for from someone who works in fashion and i know that sounds maybe strange to someone who's listening to this, but there are a lot of people who work in fashion that I feel like don't. No, no, no. And and that's fine. That's fine. That like, not everyone needs to be as intense about it. Obviously oh, yeah. everyone can feel differently, but like, it's so nice. I love hearing people like love fashion in the way that you do it. It makes me so happy in a way that I can't explain. And also like, it probably has something to do with like, it's nice to meet like-minded people and it makes you feel like a sense of like connection and like community and all those things. So I'm like, it's really cool to hear that because I refuse, if I don't know about a specific collection from a brand, even if I'm familiar with the brand, like I kind of won't buy the thing until I like look at the whole collection. Wait, yes. Also, I mean, if I find something from a brand that I like on Poshmark or whatever, I'm not just going to buy it right away. I'm going to search the entire American internet and sometimes other countries too Japan. and look at oh Japan or France, like Vinted, whatever. Like I'm going to look at every single thing listed on the internet as long as it takes me. Um, so I'm going to get a sense of like the entire scope of the brand. I'm going to get a sense of the price range and if it's actually yes. a reasonable price. Like I want to learn everything. I'm going to be researching um articles or whatever sometimes you'll find like a youtube interview from the 90s with the brand owner like just random stuff like i go so deep before i ever make a purchase i think and all of those elements of like the process of like buying things i think is why like seeing someone who's just shopping just to shop I will well, say that's the consumerism thing. Yes. I'm talking it about. like enrages me in a way that like, I can't articulate like the amount of people because you know, sometimes on TikTok you could put like not interested. Yeah. But then it just proceeds to continuously show you their content. I'll just oh my block God. them. Oh my God. I know it. Oh, n- never do they listen to the not no, interested. No, it's like, I feel like in fact, it's more so like, oh, you're not interested. Well then I'm going to just show you more and try to see if maybe I can yeah. like we talk can you, you into it. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm, I usually, if I have an opinion, I f- again, feel very strongly about it. You're not going to change my fucking mind algorithm, but I'll block them because it's so like upsetting to me. And like I was saying earlier, like I don't like being exposed to things or getting information about things that I don't like or care about. So like I like reject it. Like I'm like, I don't want to look at it. I don't, I don't want to consume your consumerism. Like I don't want to know about it. I don't. Cause then also I find that like, if they like something that seems similar to me, not that it's going to make me stop liking the thing, but I feel like that will stay in my mind a little bit. And like, it's not going to make me like hate it, but I'm just like, I feel some type of way about it that I just, I don't want that. Well, so, you know, I've been really careful about like, I can't watch thrift content anymore. Like when people go on thrift shopping trips or estate sales or whatever, and they buy, 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 buy. It like, it leads to overconsumption for me because it makes me want to buy it. But I've been really intentional. So basically I'm from January until April and maybe longer. I have not bought anything. I've said yes to some PR wow. and I'm just getting rid of ton- 
tons and tons and tons of stuff. The only things that I'm allowed to buy right now is because I have so many events. Um, I have been allowing myself to buy heels because I actually don't own heels. And it's become a problem where when I'm going to these events, I'm like wearing sneakers with an outfit that should not have sneakers or like something funky. And I actually sometimes don't want to look funky. Like I want to look classy, classic, whatever put together. And I don't have the shoes for that. So I've been, I've bought two pairs of Prada shoes and those heels that I was just talking about. Um, but I've been finding them for steals. Like the pair, my favorite pair that just came $17 plus shipping oh and the God. other pair $35 plus shipping with shipping under $50 amazing work 10 oh, out yeah. of 10 but like the way you search for things I'm like that's I mean I I have friends who like kind of that's how they online shop it's like I need to search the scour the internet every like secondhand retailer I need to see I need to compare the prices the shipping the everything and like it just feels so much more like a reward. I did want to ask you, okay, we're yes, going to do a non-smooth segue because I just did want to ask you this and it. I did get sidetracked by the shopping thing, which I'm very happy about because I love, love a fellow I shopper, love this. Yeah. Yes. But so I asked what your favorite things about the job were. What are, what are things that you don't like? Let's complain. I, I want to oh, yeah. give you the platform to complain because yeah, it does talk. sound like you feel passionate about complaining. And oh yeah, yeah. I it's, really, it's I really, really love it. I it's really like, love it. I'm, I'm good at it. I'm yeah. good at complaining. It's a skill. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And to do it in a way where like nobody flees, like people, <laughs> people will keep listening to you complaining. I mean, honestly, like, again, like I said, the lack of control, the fact that like you can get booked for a job and then like, it's really hard to like, I mean, you could pitch yourself and like try to get your next job and try to get your next job and nobody will email you back. And like, you could like, I had a dry spell where like between May and September I got zero work and it was like here's the thing is like I was getting work like I had contracts signed but things kept on getting pushed back um like people just weren't fulfilling the contract and some things just ended up getting dropped and like that's really scary like the uncertainty and the fact that like I mean I had an agent at the time and my agent was like um, calling people, calling people, emailing people, whatever. Like there was this one situation where I was supposed to be working with this, um, company and we signed the contract in June and the brand deal didn't happen until mid October. And it was because like, um, like someone would respond to the email and then, um, like after a few responses on the thread, it would go nowhere because like they would go on maternity leave. They would go on vacation and nobody treated the project as a priority. So like it was like the running joke after the sixth time that the email person bounced back and it was barely handed off and nobody really took it over. My agent like figured out that he had a friend who worked at the company and called them up and made it happen. But even after he did that, it took a month for the brand deal to happen. So it's like kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, and how powerless you feel. I do not like feeling powerless. I like feeling in control. We like being in control. One thing you could take away from this is these are two people who like feeling in control. And I think that's why when you were talking to me about like, you know, managing yourself, I did get that vibe from you. Oh, so yeah. that's what I was like, I wouldn't say that to like, I feel like I wouldn't recommend it to everyone, but I think that like, if you're a competent person and you like feeling in control, kind of representing yourself is one of the most rewarding feelings, I think, especially in this industry, because things can be really slow, especially when there's like a third party that is kind of the liaison between, it just slows it down even more. Yeah. And I'm like, I like to 
know what the fuck is going on immediately. I'm, I don't want to wait for an update. I just want to know and I want to kind of handle it and I want to have an understanding of what their expectations are because I feel like that then creates room to like, you know, be like, hey, well, this is what how I want to creatively, you know, direct it. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like totally. there's a better like dialogue between you and the brand and then there's less room for also like misunderstandings, miscommunications, all of those things, which I feel like are really valuable because- I feel like the worst feeling in the world would be like, oh, reshoot this because it's not what we wanted. I I mean, it happens, but like, I feel like if you're really kind of communicating with this person, yeah. like it's the likelihood is lower and I just don't want it. Oh yeah. Well, also another thing is like, there's no HR for the most part. Like, like <laughs> people, there are people who you are going to interact with yeah. who just like decide they dislike you, decide to be dicks, are so wildly unprofessional mm -hmm. And like, you just have to be the bigger person or you have to make an enemy. And I'm not willing to make an enemy. I feel like we talked about how I want longevity with my career. Like I want to be able to do this for the next 10 years, 20 years, like for as long as I want to be doing this. And so like when someone is so awful to me, like awful, awful, I need to be able to like just take it and like be able to look them in the eyes the next time I see them and be so friendly as if they didn't just do something so fucked up as if I know that or as if I didn't know that they were going around talking shit about me whatever like I, I just need to be the bigger person and I need to not care if someone is like actively trying to poison the well I think the only times I've actually like strayed away from like professionalism is if I felt like I was being tokenized, I will say that is something that I won't be professional. Like, it's not like I'm going to be unprofessional, but like, I'm just going to make it very known. Like, Hey, I see what the fuck you're doing. It's weird. And in a, in a more, uh, articulate way, but like the gist of it is like, this is fucking weird. Why are you doing it? Stop claiming that you're like a diverse, inclusive, like ethos brand, whatever. Like this is so obviously not that. And like, it's fucking weird. Do better. And a lot of times I do get an apology, but sometimes I get nothing back. And so there's probably a lot of PR people walking around like, damn, that girl is a bitch. But I'm like, I would argue that you're a bitch. Yeah. But the thing is with that is like when someone's like so unprofessional and fucked up towards you and they walk around saying you're a bitch and then they tell someone what happened, like, you know, the other person is like, oh, because like I'll have my friends be like, oh, my God, so and so's a bitch. And then they tell me the story and I'm like, you're the aggressor there. Yes. Yes. Like you are the villain. And I feel like that catches up with people or maybe they're surrounding themselves with enablers who are like, yeah, fuck them. But like there's going to be turnover. And we talked about how like people are sabotaging themselves and they're not going to be able to have longevity in their careers because they're so goddamn unprofessional. But I also think it's like, and this doesn't just apply to like fashion. I think it can apply to anything. If someone tells you something about someone you can take that into account, right? You oh, can yeah. keep it in your mind, take it into consideration, but don't just then decide that this is who this person, like everyone yeah. is going to have a different experience, a different interaction. They are going to have their own biases, their own interpretations, and maybe they're not aware of how they might've contributed to a negative interaction. And so like, I think that that was something important that I was like very much like adamant. I'm like, you know, someone might say like, oh, I hated working with this person because of X, Y, and Z. And unless it's something truly fucking egregious, which rarely it is, it's usually something very silly, but like, they're like, oh, I fucking hate this agency or I hate this. Unless it's something that I can prove factually, I'm going to kind of, I think, skept be skeptical, obviously, but like also kind of see 
what my interaction with this person is like. Cause there have been also several times that someone has been like, Oh, this person is so fucking rude. Or they're such a oh, bitch. Yeah. Take it with and then I'm like, I need them. Yeah. I'm like, this person is fucking delightful. What is wrong with you? Oh yeah. No, no. Like I this know. person is actually maybe the nicest person I've ever spoken to. Like it's so confusing to me. And I, I feel like I'm very good at picking up on like manipulation, bullshitty stuff. So I'm oh, like, yeah. it's not that I'm just very naive. It's just that like, you clearly have some weird internalized shit that oh, you're yeah. projecting oh, onto this yeah. person. Or petty, petty. Yes, reasons. yes. But you know, I loved when someone says so-and-so is awful, so-and-so sucks. Like I will say, can you characterize that? That's amazing. Can you elaborate? Like yeah. what type of awful, like yeah. what, what am I going to expect? And yeah. if they tell me so-and-so says something horribly racist, I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. they're awful. That's egregious. But yeah. sometimes, sometimes when you get down to it or like they can't elaborate and you, you realize it comes from like jealousy or like just something petty. Yes. If you can't explain it, I feel like it's like, you know what? Fair enough. You are entitled to dislike whoever the fuck you choose. I'm not going to like not like this person because yeah. you – to have no reason like you don't even have a reason to dislike them you know what I mean oh, yeah. like it's just like your own shit that you're projecting but that applies to like everything though like whether you're in school or just like hanging out with people your family whatever the case may be like I don't know I feel like that's something that I don't like to say I will rarely shit on a brand or like a person unless I feel like they're really a bad person because then I feel like it's negligent not to warn this person do you know what I mean like it feels like negligence oh yeah well there's also the thing where like I feel like in a writerly way like I pay attention to people as like these well-rounded characters and I feel like I pay attention to like like traits of theirs and I think people will sometimes interpret like if I say like oh, like, I feel like such and such has a negative attitude, but they're still a good friend or whatever. Or, or whatever. Like, people are only going to hear the negative attitude thing. Like, people are like, oh, you're talking shit, whatever. And I'm like, that's not what it sounds like when I'm insulting someone. I would say straight up, like, I think that this person has zero redeeming qualities. Yeah. Like, but there's things that, like, I feel like, like, you can observe about a person without hating them. Yes. Um, And I think people are looking, like, people are looking for drama people are looking to have you being talk shit but it's like all stuff that in the right context and in the right way i would say to someone's face you know what i mean yeah and it's also like if there's something that you don't like about someone that's like fine you don't have to like then like hate the i think that's the other thing like you can dislike a trait or a quality in someone but like and maybe that means that you don't want to be like super close with them right but like yeah you don't have to like dislike them. I feel like that just seems like, oh, yeah. like a, what, why it can't takes we take so much energy? Like also like a middle ground something. And yeah. I feel like there's just so few people that I feel like I will go out of my way to avoid. But that's the other thing. If I don't like someone, everyone knows. It's so funny because people always look to my ev- face. Everyone I knows. I can't hide it in my face. No, I'm like, and I'm not even mad that I'm incapable of doing it. Cause I feel like a lot of times, like when I give people compliments, I only give them compliments if I really mean it. And yeah. remember how we we're talking about like yeah. valuable compliments, whatever. I'm like, I want to make sure that my compliment feels real and not like I'm just saying something just to be quote unquote nice. Cause I think that does happen often. And I oh, think what yeah. actually gives me the credibility because there are so many times people will be like, Oh, like you're so nice. I'm like, no, no, I'm not being nice. That is genuinely how I feel. Oh yeah. I love your outfit. I think it's perfect. But like, 
when people see me around someone, if I don't like them, they're like, oh yeah, no, Nora's not, you're not lying when you compliment people. Oh, yeah. Like you genuinely cannot hide it. I'm like, yeah, no, I can't. So I have the reputation of being an honest friend. Like pe- people take me shopping with them because if they try something on and they're not sure about it, they're going to look to me and I'm going to say the truth. Yeah. Like, you know, I've always, or I mean, if someone's asking me for advice, I'm going to be straight up with them about like, these are your options. I'm always the honest friend. And like, I know that like, I can't, I'm partially honest because like, I can't hide it. Like if someone tells me a story and I feel a certain way, they're going to look at me and they're going to be like, okay, what is it? Yeah. And it's like, I, I can't, I don't know. If I, there aren't many people that I dislike, but the ones that I don't like the way that I, like, I can't even be kind of like, I don't want to interact with them. I'm not going to tell them to go fuck themselves, but like, I just, I'm like, I don't want to be in your presence. I don't want to be around you. Cause I don't want to just be thinking about how much I dislike you, but like that doesn't happen often, but it does kind of impress me a little bit. If someone doesn't like someone and they're able to be cordial oh. and, but not in like a fake creepy way, just like yeah. in, I'm like, that's crazy. Like, I feel like that was the culture where I grew up. Yeah. But, or like they, it's not even that they necessarily dislike you, but they are talking shit about you. Well, yeah, I feel like th- there's like a toxic way of doing it, but then also just like a, but the talking shit about someone's self-important. I don't think it's yeah. a, when someone's like just actively talking shit about you, it's yeah. not, the, it's not even that they actually dislike you. It's that like they're self-absorbed. I feel like yeah. most of the time. Yeah. Or they're, or they're just bored. Oh, I yeah, feel like totally. boredom contributes to so much shit talking. <laughs> Oh my God, I know. It's fun though. It's and kind listen, of fun. <laughs> and I, I think I said this on last week's episode, like gossip isn't even that bad. Oh and yeah, you, you did I talk did about that. because like, listen, I don't mean like you should just be like spreading false information. That's Liable. not, that's yeah. not gossip. No. Yeah. That is just being a liar. But like, if you are with a close group of friends that you trust with like personal information about you, you can express to them, hey, I'm going to tell you something and it's pretty juicy, but like, don't fucking repeat it because I don't want this to like negatively impact this person. But let's discuss and let's observe and let's hypothesize and not in a way that's like mean or judgy, just like in a way of like, I think it's interesting to like kind of analyze like human beings and like, oh, totally. I don't I know, love like, the psychoanalytic lens. It, on, that's on what I'm gossip. saying. Like, and I think a lot of times having a gossipy kind of conversation results in me and whoever I'm talking to having more empathy for the person, which is why I'm like, it doesn't feel negative. It actually, usually I walk away from that empathizing with the person or the subject of this conversation. Well, I feel if you look at it from the perspective of venting, like then you kind of like get a sense of that. Like I'm, if I'm having a conversation like that, I'm doing it. So like the next time I see that person, I'm not going to be like whatever to their face. Like I'd yeah. rather, I, I, but it's not because I'm being fake. It's because I've gotten over it. Yeah. It's like, I hear something and I'm like, I need to tell someone I need to talk this through. And I do, I walk away with empathy and like, then it's out. So I don't have to take whatever out on this person. Like I can maintain a healthy relationship with them. And my mom, like I would call her and I'd be like telling her about stuff. And she'd be like, why are you complaining? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, it's venting. Like, yeah. I, I I need to talk about this. And I'd rather talk about it to you than someone who knows this person. And then things spiral, you know, like, and it gets back to them. I'd rather talk about it to some neutral third party because now it's out. Like, I've said it. Yes. And now I can move on with my life. And honestly, I do think that that is a really healthy thing to do. And I'm not just saying it because I also, I just, it makes so much sense because like, if you talk about it with someone who knows this person, they're going to have their own opinions. It's and, going to factor and into gonna, how they view it. And, and it's yeah, 100% going to influence it. Yes. But like if you 
that That's boyfriend. I, I love I the fact that none of my sisters live in New York. Oh, yeah. And also they kind of, none of them care about like, Ed, like they're just so separate. We have such separate interests and personalities, but like I can tell them things. And like, I feel like my siblings also like have no trouble like disagreeing with me or telling me that I'm wrong oh, yeah. or calling me oh, out. Yeah. So I'm like, this is the best person to talk to. Cause like, if I'm just being a bitch, my sister will be the first person to tell me oh, and yeah. she gladly will do so. Oh, yeah. My boyfriend will be like, you're being really judgmental right now. Yeah. I'm like, huh, I am. Yes. And I'm like, it's so kind of important to do that. And also like, I feel like it might seem crazy to be like, oh, I feel like they can like actively be like a mediator third party type of role considering that they're related to me by blood. But I really feel like they can because you're not helping someone by just like agreeing with them. No. And like, why would you not want to let, I don't know. Like I would rather be a little like hurt someone's feelings slightly, obviously like I would not intentionally do so, but like if it resulted in someone's feelings being hurt, if I was being honest with them, I would be upset. But also I would be like, well, that's, I told you that because I think it's important that you know that. Cause I want you to be the best. Oh, because yeah, I care. Totally. Like, and even recently one of my friends was like, Hey, I don't really agree with this decision that you made. And I was like, thank you for telling me like genuinely, like it's not going to change my mind, but like, actually I appreciate you sharing that with me because it would be fucking weird for you to just lie and say that you did agree. You know oh, yeah. what I mean? But you know, we were talking about earlier about like the egomaniac type personalities before we were recording, um, that fashion can attract or just like the influencer world can attract. And I feel like I did not come into this uh, career for like validation. Mm -hmm. I kind of found my way here and I found it um, really like meaningful, like and cool. Like, and I was like, at first I got a real job because I didn't think that I was going to find it meaningful. Um, and so like, I don't look for people in my life to just validate everything. Like, I feel like there's some personality types who are in this industry who are like, just want yes men and enablers in their life. And that's not me. Like, I'm like, humble me, like, like actually humble me. And I'm going to laugh about it and I'm going to grow from it. A hundred percent. But thank you so much for coming. Of course. Where can people follow you if they're not following you already, but like plug anything that you want to plug. So at Tiny Jewish Girl on TikTok, Instagram, and I'm getting into Twitter. I refuse Ooh. to tweet anything good because I, you know, I feel like you tweet something good, it gets plagiarized, and I want to save any good thought for my writing. Smart. So you know, pick your poison. <laughs> and then I'm gonna have all of her social links in the episode description. As always, you can follow the podcast on Instagram, where you will see a lovely photo of Clara, and Mwah. you can follow me on Instagram, where you will see me. I don't know, coloring on a table. That's what I did last night. Um, as always, guys, don't forget to floss your teeth, wear your sunscreen, don't be a fucking asshole, and I'll talk to you next Sunday. Bye. Bye.